Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Union Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined again this week by Lima Breen and in this part of the podcast we'll review the RC action from round 5 and also preview the key fixtures from round 6 of the tournament. I suppose Liam we can depart from the Test Match series here to looking at the RC round 5 here in Tome Park uh, last Saturday night in the wind and the rain but uh, what a great performance I thought off Munster Rugby backs against the wall. We had fears, we had concerns, we had apprehensions, but my God, this team backs against the wall. Wise, they did produce a great performance after a bit of a sluggish start against the Bulls. Yeah, it was it was exactly what was required, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, like uh, you know, we're struggling to see if if we could actually win last week. Never mind get a bonus point win, but to do that and playing well is just superb. Um, and all the 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 the, the parts came together and also what was I suppose really revealing was how good the young players were the likes of a dog boy like who to me the guy is like uh he looks like I suppose Mario Toshe you know he's just savage to be 19 stone 19 years old and and his physique um is just phenomenal and he, he had a really good good uh good game um, obviously, Gavin Coombs got his two tries, and that was really good as well. Um, in the first half, that kind of settled us, you know. But um, I like I like the fact that Casey early doors only a few minutes in, you know, that that Casey went for that um, break off the scrum, and I think that was that's really what set the tone for me. And he was just held up even as he was like brave guy, like to do it like and. Uh, yeah, um, so that that's what I liked in terms of the try. Now, obviously, um, we had ourselves. Munster had, you know, the the early early game, the first twenty minutes, it was three all, you know. But we 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 did we kicked on from there with with, with those two Coombs tries, and the guy is so hard to stop when he gets ahead of steam, you know, that that five five meters out, almost impossible. Yeah, exactly. It was a sluggish opening twenty minutes, but. I suppose there was a marked improvement I thought in the physicality, the line speed, everything about it, Liam, from Munster was a little bit different. It felt different, even though Bulls were enjoying their fair share of possession, particularly in that first 20 minutes. Grata Goosen gets the early uh, penalty from a high tackle, 3-0. So, but again, Munster's composure, they built phases, they won penalties, they got into the Bulls' half, and I think... We've kind of seen it in previous weeks where Munster have had territory but really haven't put points on the board, but it certainly wasn't the case uh, last weekend. And as you say, um, you know, those two quick tries, you know, were just key, really. And I suppose Carberry as well. I know we've been a little bit critical on this podcast in previous weeks about him, but, you know, backs against the wall, he came in at 10. I thought he had a very efficient game. He's just all around game management, you know. He synced up play very well between backs and forwards, and you know his kicking was on point off tee. So I think from that perspective, an awful lot of positives probably for Graham Roundtree, particularly given that first half performance, seventeen three up. You know, with the gander was up, the twelve thousand crowd in Tone Park was really buoyed up, and the team were really up for it. So all in all, I think he ticked an awful lot of boxes for Graham Roundtree. Yeah, I, I get it, but but with Carberry, he ran the ball, he ran with intent, um, and he he was 
posing a threat, you know. I mean, he made what, like 48 metres, nine carries, 34 passes. It means that he, he wasn't just putting boot to ball just for the sake of it. like. And he had a smashing 50-22, actually, <laughs> yep. in that Absolutely. game, you know, as well, which shows his range of kicking. But, yeah, I, I just I, I thought he was really on point. Um, and Craig Casey alongside him with 54 passes, you know. Again, it was it was passing. Munster passed in this game. That was that was a crucial part about it, and that gets your 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 forwards, which which do the heavy yards into the game and get momentum over the game line. And Munster are definitely going to get over the game line in this game compared to other games. Um, and so it was it was uh, really excellent to see um, a dog bow, obviously as well. Um, Ty Byrne was prominent. And yeah, even I must say that, that having the option of Crowley when he came in at half time, having him dovetailing with Carberry is something else that maybe Munster have to think about for games going forward as well. Definitely. Uh, I think that's certainly an option because Crowley did come in at half time. And, uh, you know, he kind of continued to show his versatility, just literally in the back three. His kicking game is phenomenal, as we know, um, which has always been good. But I suppose going back to the pack, we had pr- uh, apprehension about how the Munster front five would handle the Bulls. But to be fair, I thought, we've talked about the dog bull, phenomenal talent, and really came to the fore in Toan Park on his debut. But we have to give kudos here to Jean Klein. Uh, 23 tackles. I thought he was a monster during the, uh, the game. You know, in all facets of play, Lionel I thought was much improved as well here, Liam, uh, from him. Uh, but Klein, I thought his work rate was superb along with the dog bow. And really, you know, Bulls had to make changes at half time. They just weren't happy in terms of the cohesion here. But uh, Lockman's try, I suppose, prime example of never giving up on a lost situation. Carberry's hopeful kick in behind and uh, Smith making a bit of a hash of it from the Bulls and Lockman there to gratefully uh, touch down. And I think that really gave another little lease of life for this game for Munster Rugby. And it really didn't look back, you know, given the try from Tyburn. Great body position to crash over there on 61 minutes to secure that uh, bonus point yeah but I mean as in it was early doors it was just after half time for 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 Lockman's try and that gave us then an absolute sniff then for the rest of the game of getting uh, the bonus point and then of course you know the Bulls in discipline you know that's kind of silly going to push and, and, and hit on Crowley and they, they were down to 14 and yeah, like you know, I suppose that we were we were kind of loose in the, in the two tries we get them. It was like basically turnovers and run the length of the pitch sort of thing for the Bulls. But really, in terms of our defensive system, it held up well. So that you couldn't count. Do you know it was kind of funny? You couldn't fault Munster defensively. Really, just a bit like you know a bit loose. But you, but the defensive system was not really breached. I suppose is the word in that game. And yeah, Tyburn crashed over, and then you know to to be there after 61, 62 minutes to have the bonus point wrapped up was was actually brilliant. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I suppose it just gives a lesson to Munster and probably the reviewed in video analysis, like not to switch off, particularly in the breakdown ball presentation. Two times, basically, ball was turned over. And Bulls really showing that South Africa clinical nature in terms of loose ball creating something out of nothing. So I think that will be maybe a timely reminder for Munster Rugby kind of going forward 
in terms of that. But I thought breakdown work was much improved here, uh, Liam, as well. Uh, you know, from our perspective, you know, we won 11 turnovers to Bulls 13. And I suppose, you know, Gavin Coombs, we've talked about him, two tries, but again, very dangerous ball in hand. He had 11 successful carries. And we criticised about line breaks uh, last week in our stats in the podcast last week. Munster secured and had three clean breaks uh, during the game, which I think really does bode well here. And Bulls usually a very stingy defence. The fact that we're able to create those uh, clean breaks, uh, I think maybe hopefully bodes well for upcoming fixtures. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we, we, we dominated, we outmuscled, arguably, the most physically dominant pack in the URC. So that, that like, how good is that like, you know, to, to know that we have it in the, in the locker, I guess, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there are no slouches. They, they still had Dade Elricklo there and they had Marcel Cotzia. So, um, but yeah, the, the most physically dominant forward was Gavin Coombs. And he certainly is a, what he brings is uh, different than, than any other Irish back row, really, you know. He does bring that X factor with ball carrying, doesn't he, Liam? You know, throughout his career, his young, relatively young career, he's just had that, you know, that X factor. I don't think he can train that. I think he just have it, and he's a phenomenal talent ball in hand. And I think his other areas of game has really improved in terms of his offensive side of the game, particularly breakdown. You know, there's a, an awful lot of upside still left in Gavin Coombs as well, uh, which is great. But I suppose the the result came at maybe a bit of a cost <laughs> when uh, the press conference for Munster Rugby ahead of the Leinster Rugby game at the Aviva Stadium was, you know, yesterday. Uh, it kind of sounded like a bit of a casualty list, really. Uh, Roman Salano suffered a head injury in the final play of the match, going undergoing return-to-play protocols. Stephen Archer having a scan on an ankle injury. Calvin Nash was removed at half-time with a tie injury. Edwin Adogbo, calf. Craig Casey, groin. Tyke Bergen, groin. Antoine Frisch managing a calf injury sustained on the Emerging Ireland Tour. And Patrick Campbell, fortunately now, is recovering from illness. Uh, was unavailable for selection. So, I mean, we still do have a few long-term uh, issues in terms of our squad, but the medical staff in Munster will be working flat out to get a few of these guys back for the Aviva Stadium showdown with Leinster. Yeah, I mean, like if you, look, if you look at the list already, you know, only a few games in the season, it's it's quite a substantial injury list, to be fair. Mm. Um, and a, a lot of guys out long-term as well. But yeah, I mean, like it's a pity because like, I want to see Antoine Frisch, you know, in a, in a mid, midfield combination for sure, um, and I, I to be honest, if he's available, I, I put him in next week to see how it goes, you know. Um, and yeah, it's um, obviously Ty Byrne is is our is our key guy. That I think you just throw in all the youngsters, quite frankly, against against Leinster, and and see how we go, um, because I suppose look, definitely Ulster, we have to aim to get the f- full points there. And I think, again, Leinster, it's about being in that game right to the end, right to the end, and asking questions of Leinster. And, like, Connacht last week, you know, had an opportunity to, to turn them over and probably should have. And, and and Munster, look, have to go forward now after last week and just say, look, we can win as much games as we can over the rest of the season, and why not go and target Leinster? 
Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, Viva Stadium, Saturday night, I think they've nothing to lose. Munster, the record kind of speaks for itself. Three wins, Munster out of 15 fixtures with Leinster. It's not a good record, but I think you have to put in the the young guys in here and just see how they, you know, adapt and perform. Because we do have a key fixture against Ulster uh, on the October 28th uh, weekend to finish off this block of fixtures. I think that's a far more key game here for Munster Rugby to literally maybe end that block on a bit of a positive note. But yeah, I think there's nothing to lose in terms of this Leinster Rugby fixture here, Liam. I would look at the training paddock see who's on form and really do trust them and trust that they will execute the game plan. Leinster, admittedly, I suppose, weren't at their best against uh, uh, Connacht in the sports ground last Friday night. Lineup malfunctioned at an alarming rate. Uh, young Murray from Connacht had a particularly good game, second row, uh, disrupting there. But I suppose Leinster's inefficiencies, particularly in the cohesion aspect of attack, you have to admire their defensive uh, performance. Um, I'll throw a stat out for you, Liam. 123 tackles made by Leinster Rugby against Connacht. They missed only two. Phenomenal effort from Leinster. And to keep Connacht Rugby scoreless in the sports ground, in an Interpro, another great accomplishment. So I suppose Munster Rugby, their newfound confidence in terms of the attacking will be tested for sure against Leinster. But... Um, It'll be interesting to see from a Leinster team perspective here, uh, will we see Jason Jenkins probably feature uh, against Munster on Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he certainly will. He's been tearing up trees already this season. And it'll be an interesting kind of subplot, won't it, in, in the game itself. And then we're kind of trying to figure out, well, will Leinster, will this be the final opportunity really before the Autumn Internationals for Leinster to feel some of their guys, you know, their likes of Sexton? Um, and... Maybe their their front row as well, um. But like you know, look, it'll be a different line speed. I think that's the key. That line speed wise, Leinster will be on a different planet than the Bulls, and it's about how do you break that down and how do you go through it. That that's really what we're going to have to kind of figure out, um, and not get bogged down in this just you know once off run, runners. Like like making absolutely no ground. That that's what we seem to always do. So we have to just just kind of find find a different kind of way uh, around Leinster and move them around differently. Exactly, because Leinster have issued an update on their squad. Caelan Doris, and also Karen Frawley have come through games on skate, so it looks likely that they will have kind of featured some shape or form. Um, Dave Carney expected to return to full training this week. But also you have Luke McGrath, Reese Ruddock, Ryan Baird will continue to follow, return to play protocols. Hugo Keenan, as we mentioned, is stepping up his rehab this week from an abdominal and knee injury. Jack Conan, James Ryan, Josh van der Flair will be assessed further this week. So there might be a bit of a state of flux in terms of the Leinster squad. Some established internationals coupled with some emerging uh, guys as well. Um, so there's going to be nothing soft here from a Munster rugby perspective. But I think they're going to have to embrace the fixture. I think the management have to embrace it from Munster Rugby and really evaluate where they are because Leinster are one of the barometers in European rugby and we need to kind of play without fear and really express ourselves if we can. We kind of showed parts of it in terms of our pack performance. We'll need to kind of see the likes of Malachi, Fikatoa really kind of come on here a little bit as well, Liam. 
you know, he was very hardworking against Bulls, but had precious again opportunity given the conditions. So hopefully there is going to be more. I'm looking for a performance again here, Liam. I'm not really going to call in terms of Munster Rugby chances of winning here, but I think really from a Munster Rugby perspective, we really need to kind of continue that performance trend here and build on what was built last week and be competitive. So I don't know if you kind of shared those same sentiments. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to call it either, like, Reeve, but, but it has to be a step up from last week. I mean, it, it would be devastating if we went and we shipped 50 points and we're back to square one after last week. Um, but I, I believe that the, there's there's more optimism in Munster squad now, you know? I mean, to, to, to bonus point a serious team at home means that it's in them you know they're it's definitely capable performances are are, are capable of being of being upped again and uh, we just need to make sure that we i suppose also very important that we take our opportunities i i think we always seem to have an awful lot of ball even against leinster we actually have an awful lot of possession now whether it's that leinster sometimes just let us have possession quite frankly and they fan out and say you know guys come along you know See, see what you can do, but um, the key is to take our our, our try scoring opportunities against Leinster. Yeah, no, I mean historically that has been the case, particularly Leinster really trusting their defence against Munster, and uh, Munster going very laterally at times. So really, this week, hopefully the key is you know we have our supporting runners, we've uh, good quick ruck ball, easier said than done against Leinster rugby. I think they're just going to have to play what's in front of them here, uh, Munster, a little bit. But also trying to get Vekatoa involved, along with Dan Goggin as well. But I had a very prominent game against Bulls last weekend. Did run for 40 metres. So, yeah, I think it's just, I think for Munster, I think the sense of relief is there, isn't it, uh, for all to see? Particularly after the Lockman try, you could see the confidence restored somewhat to all the players. You can see the celebration, you can see smile on faces where it hasn't been the case earlier on in the season. So hopefully it is a turning point for Munster Rugby that they can build and, as I say, be competitive at least uh, this weekend against uh, Leinster Rugby because I would imagine Johnny Sexton will be looking for some game time against Munster ahead of Glasgow Warriors. Uh, he may be rested for that one ahead of the November t- Test Match Series. So, look, um, hopefully it's a, a good competitive game. But I suppose from a Connick Rugby's perspective here, uh, Liam, you know, an awful lot of hard work. Um, there was an awful lot of good moments, but I suppose cohesion issues here, particularly in that 22 of Leinster, really did kind of were exposed. Um, you know, they were competitive throughout, I thought. But uh, Josh van der Flair, you know, against uh, O'Reilly, um, complete mismatch, setting up Foley's try, and then right at the end, you know, there was an awful lot of inaccuracy and in kicking and open play. I can think of O'Reilly's pass to Hanson as well. John Porter thought was the only realistic uh, threat for uh, Connacht. So they have a crunch game on Friday night against the Scarlets. I mean, we talked off air here, Liam. Round six, there's an awful lot of games here where the vanquished maybe looking at a very long season in the URC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's almost like a six-pointer, isn't it? The, the, the Connacht game against the Scarlets. The, the, the two teams almost bottom of the table just as was separate. Just just below them, and uh, yeah, it's 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 game defining, like you know. So um, 
the team that loses probably is pretty pretty much out of the the top eight for the season. And uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be competitive though. It's going to be interesting. I must say, it's going to be absolutely like uh, backs against the wall effort. And uh, Connacht, yeah, they're they're playing for their season. Um, they've they still have players in the likes of Porch and Hansen that really can really do damage given good ball. So that that back row has got to really step up. Completely agree. Um, you know all the the good vibes here against Munster Rugby and the well-deserved win. I think weren't really diluted. I think there was genuine disappointment that Leinster did hold Connacht scoreless, but there was an awful lot of good things to see, particularly in the set piece. An awful lot of Connacht fans that I've spoken to here in Galway after the game really are really impressive, impressed by the, the line-out at the moment, particularly the defensive line-out uh, with like some Murray, Thornbury. There's been massive disruption there. You've seen it against Munster. Now Leinster, their lineup really did malfunction and had issues. So there is a weapon there for Connacht to really kind of build upon. But I suppose it's unexpectedly their kind of maybe hacking cohesion has been a little bit off, which has been very surprising. Um, I suppose the Munster game was very kind of patchy. Leinster or Leinster, um, they did provide, you know, no opportunities for Connacht really to express themselves with quick rock ball. Um, but yeah, it's going to be that cohesion issue here for Connacht. Can they get it right for the Scarlets games? Because Scarlets are coming in, secured their first win of the season against Zebri at home, 36-12 last weekend in round four, or round five, apologies. So I think from that perspective, Connacht know what the, the task is. Scarlets will be confident coming over. But as we say, I think whoever loses this, it's kind of looking like maybe a Challenge Cup coming, you know. And it's hard to say that after round six, but... There's an awful lot of uh, gaps opening up here, particularly when you see the likes of the Leinsters, the Ulsters, the Stormers. There's a top four here that potentially could be up and away, and then there could be a kind of a frantic fight for a few spot playoff spots come the end of the season here, Liam. Yeah, that, yeah, already those three, three teams are just pretty out on their own. Um, there is now, after that, like, you know, Right on the table, there is only a six, seven points separating teams at the moment. So it's still doable. That's the point. It's still doable. But you don't want to get beyond that. You don't want to get 12, 14 points. Then you're 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 just just you're gone, you know. So exactly. all the teams um, have again it's something to play for, the likes of Cardiff, have something to play for, uh Sharks, Ulster, Lions, Glasgow, just cracking teams, you know, cracking games. I I and I have to say maybe I'm biased, but like way more um, uh, interesting than the Premiership at the moment. Absolutely. No. And I mean, Liam, you watched the, the Lions Ulster game, another potential game of the season, you know, particularly in, in South Africa there last weekend. What were your thoughts on that? I mean, I thought it was a phenomenal win for Ulster considering the form that the Lions have been in. Yeah. And, it, and it's still, it's still an incredible achievement like to win in South Africa, you know, um, and the Lions have been really good form. Uh, you know, we had Balakum got a try after like I think a minute or something like, you know, <laughs> just typical, typical him. Um, and then it was mix and match. It was like um, they, they got a few tries. Um, Rob Little, nice little running try. Um, Herring try from a mall. Um, but the thing was, I guess. For Ulster, like if we're being pernickety, you know, 
they were ahead by something like 13, 14 points and 20 minutes to go. And the last few tries were actually scored, well, three tries, I suppose, were scored by the Lions to bring it like up to almost uh, level. Um, so that's maybe something that, that Ulster have to look at. But again, you have to always take into account, you know, you're playing in, in uh, Ellis Park, you're playing at altitude. These things can happen in the last 20 minutes of a game. But um, yeah, yeah, an excellent, you know, uh, win for Ulster. And all their big players were like Balakum, McCluskey, Herring, were all prominent. Exactly. I mean, uh, probably a harsh critique there, but... I think that might be a, a trend, you know, if that's a trend to continue here, Liam, particularly that last 20 minutes performance from Ulster. I think it was pinpointed last season a little bit, where Ulster did come out of games a little bit and did allow opposition to score tries. I'm just thinking of the Toulouse game, for instance, as well, where, you know, closing stages, keep them out, defensively be strong and couldn't. So I think from that perspective, maybe Dan McFarlane is definitely probably looking at that and looking to see if there's a response, particularly... With the Sharks, because there's a great rivalry between the Sharks and Ulster now. And I mean, it'll be, I think, a, one of the quality games in week six, you know. Um, you know, and geez, if Ulster could get a result down in um, Sharks, my God. I mean, the season really does open up for Ulster pretty much. Um, not just from an Ireland Shield perspective, but also probably looking at a top two playoff seeding. I mean, so early on in the season. But I mean, these are the games that will define the playoff picture come uh, May. Yeah, and I mean, look, they'll be deserving of it, won't they? If if they if they get the two wins in South Africa, because I don't think too many teams this season are gonna are gonna even get close to that. Um, yeah, um, probably yeah, the Sharks will be even got a step up though for for Ulster as well, and it's a bit second game back as well, and yeah. this will be actually again probably for the Sharks, their final hit out for all their Springbok players before they they board the plane as well so there's a lot riding for them as well i guess um but yeah i mean it's going to be an absolutely cracking game all the games also seem to play in, in down down there in south africa are just um very very open flowing games exactly no i think that'll be phenomenal and you know even up in the northern hemisphere i think there's some quality games here particularly like the cardiff rugby stormers like cardiff have picked up a bit of form in recent weeks and against the Stormers, who we know are very capable of playing great, expansive rugby when they're allowed to, I think that could be a quality game, particularly in the Cardiff Farms uh, at 7.35 on Saturday. Uh, looking at the Lions, Glasgow Warriors, that could be another kind of game to teams that do like to have to load the ball. Another high-scoring game. Benetton and Bulls, I think this is a key game for Benetton, uh, Liam. They started the season so well, but there has been some... There has been a blip. Definitely last week, week was a bit of a wake-up call and with the Bulls now kind of smarting from two losses in a row uh, to Glasgow and Munster they will not want to be completing a trip to the Northern Hemisphere with another loss to their name so I think Benetton have it all to do there so and then you have the the local Welsh derby between the Dragons and Ospreys on Sunday the 23rd of October as well again that's another must-win game for both teams here if they want to be realistically in the punt for playoffs and again this is round six but again, as we said, there's manageable gaps at the moment. But after round six, they could be getting to the point where you're looking for results elsewhere, which after round six is not advantageous. I suppose, Liam, before we conclude here, uh, we did speak at length about the WASPs administration. It had broke when we uh, were speaking on this podcast 
news has now confirmed that uh, Wasps have been, you know, put into administration. Players and staff, loyal players and staff, have been made redundant. And, you know, thoughts and prayers with John Ryan and his family uh, that he secures um, a professional contract as soon as possible, really. But um, there has been other murmurings here. We had mentioned, and you mentioned, Liam, last week that maybe other clubs might be on the defensive a little bit in terms of their financial affairs. And so it's proved, particularly in Bristol Bears and also London Irish having to come out vehemently to um, refute any allegations of a potential merger with Wasps. Yeah, and Bristol's Bears had to make a, a statement to their fans outlining... I suppose the catastrophic losses that 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 is going to incur them from losing two home games this season in the league, and to be honest, it also indicates that they're that they're that they're kind of saying to their fans that we are in financial trouble. That's effectively what it's saying to me. And then of course we had London Irish rumor London Irish were going to merge with uh, with Wasps. That hasn't happened. There was also going to be a, 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 a possible takeover of Wasps to try and keep them going, but that's that's fell by the board. So it's, yeah, we've had James Haskell, we've had others like really say that other clubs, the domino effect is going to, it's going to actually end up as well. So it's, it's yeah, it's it's worrying times. It's very worrying times for any professional player in the Gallery Premiership right now, because as we highlighted this last week on the podcast, uh, Liam, just in terms of the loss of earnings for the remaining clubs in the Gallagher Premiership, to suddenly now no longer have Worcester Warriors and also Wasps in your schedule at home, and particularly at lucrative times of the year, particularly at Christmas, or particularly leading up to a Six Nations where interest is you know, really there for Rugby Union. I'm just thinking of Northampton again from Worcester Warriors. Wasps always had that connection with Harlequins, Harrisons. Again, these kind of key fixtures. It really does kind of uh, paint a very gloomy picture for the Gallagher Premiership. And again, I do ask the question in terms of what the RFU have been doing in the last year, year and a half, particularly during the pandemic. There was furlough schemes. Surely the 35 million, particularly the move from Coventry to us, clearly didn't work. 35 million owed to bondholders is just unrealistic, unsustainable for rugby union. It might fly in terms of an English Premiership team to hold those sort of debts. But again, where is the governance? I think Fiorafu as a matter of urgency should be reaching out to all the other Gallagher Premiership clubs and really kind of identifying if there is other warning signs here that they can mitigate here. Um, so, yeah, it's a very sorry site and state for Gallagher Premiership, English rugby in general, because I think for quite a few of these players, they may have to move abroad to get game time. So it's... Uh, it's very, um, yeah, it's worrying. Uh, I'd say it's worrying for Eddie Jones as well, I would say, given an awful lot of the Wasps players, um, particularly like Joel Entrepreneur's guys of that kind of stature. Uh, they're not going to be playing rugby now um, for a little bit. So it's uh, it's worrying times. I think very worrying times for everyone involved. Yeah, well, the thing is, Mark, in terms of where they're playing, it's very, they'll, they'll be like medical jokers. They, they, they will get probably short-term six-month contracts are right in France, which makes them unavailable to to England. Mm. Uh, or, or, of course, you might go to Japan as well. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to be worrying for, for Eddie Jones as well. 
Exactly. You know, going into a November test series, you know, he'll want his English players and top physical condition with sufficient game minutes. That hasn't been happening for the Wasps team for a few weeks now. So, yeah, it's worrying signs. And all we can do is hope that even the loyal staff here in Wasps and even Worcester Warriors from ticket office to maintenance to groundskeepers, the backroom staff here, that they all get looked after here, uh, Liam. I think that's imperative. We've talked about the players an awful lot in this podcast, but it's the loyal people here, the people working in the cafeteria, those people that have served 20, 30 years with these rugby clubs and now to be told that they're out of a job. I think, you know, coming into the Christmas period, you know, hearts go out for them and hopefully they can all be um, sorted and can get alternative employment soon. Um, so, yeah, uh, all good. Liam, we might leave it there um, on a sombre note, but uh, some positive musings from Munster Rugby. Looking forward to the Viva Stadium on Saturday. Maybe we can have a reflection in terms of round six uh, next week. Run the rule over that ahead of the final games of this block of fixtures on the URC. And also maybe looking ahead to maybe some of the other Test Match nations in terms of their November Test Match series squad selections. Until then, uh, Liam, thanks very much. Okay, Mark, thanks. See you next week. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.